The Tablet Show, episode 32, with guest Jeff Wilcox. Recorded live Tuesday, April 24th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Jeff Wilcox about his work on 4th and Mayer. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome to The Tablet Show. Carl, Richard, .NET, Windows 8, tablets. All that good stuff. Phones. Yeah, Phone 7. I got a notice from my local AT&T store, maybe it was just AT&T, that the the Lumia 900 is now 49 bucks if you get the plan. Oh, yeah, I think they, there was some kind of extra $50 discount. It's unbelievable. You know, the crazy thing is go to the Amazon wireless site because six of the top seven phones as the day that we record this win Phone 7s. And not just the Lumia 900s, some HTC oh, phones, one of the Samsung phones. Like It's almost like something's broken open. Wow. I'm amazed. Wow, crazy. The uh, Now, I mean, there's still an Android phone up there. There's still the Note up there, which I think is a very cool device. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's a 7-inch phone. The screen is huge. And they, everybody mm. laughed at them when Samsung made this thing. And uh, I saw it at CES and thought, well, I'm never going to use this. But you know who's buying it? women huh. because it fits in a purse and oh, it's neat. bigger it's easier to read you know it and they're selling like hotcakes too so much as I, i'm thrilled that phone seven's got some trash on amazon it doesn't surprise me to see the note there too interesting unique phone well let's get right on to better know framework awesome better no framework what framework are we dealing with today my friend? we're talking about uh winrt and the windows.applicationmodel.store namespace, which is where you can mess around with the app store, there's the current app class. But it gets better than this. Let me tell you about the current app class. has methods and properties you can use to get license and listing info about the current app and perform in-app purchases. So it has a request app purchase async API that... Uh, enables the user to buy a full license for the current app and also request product purchase async that uh, displays the UI that's used to make an in-app purchase. So if you have, you know, if you have a game and you want to buy, you know, new nodules or new areas or new rooms or new weapons or whatever you want to buy, uh-huh. boom, there it is. There's nice. the API to do it. Now it gets cooler because there is also a current app simulator class. In the current app simulator class is simply a mock. Hmm. They they've provided their own mock, so it uh, it basically has methods and properties used to instantiate an object that you can use to get simulated license info during testing. Okay. So when you load the listing information, doesn't actually you know connect to your account. When you make a purchase, doesn't actually charge anybody. Right. So you get to test everything and know Absolutely. exactly how it's going to behave. Isn't that cool? That's very smart. Yeah. I'm glad that's done well because that you know that's one of those things, and it's usually thought of late in the game, and then yeah. you delay delivery of your product because you're wrestling with this sort of thing. Awesome. Yeah. All right, who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off the Tablet Show website because my buddy Carl Franklin got comments working on the Tablet Show. <laughs> Almost. 
couple of glitches here and there, but we're making our way. Uh, this is from Jack Stevens, and he commented on show number 29. That's the one we just did with Billy Hollis. That was a fun show. I always like Billy, man. He thinks hard about these problems, really changes the way you think about uh, the problems around UI design and just making apps better. So this comment's come from Jack Stevens, and he talks about the fact we went a long way down the sort of artistic side there. You, you and Billy especially went off, and, and Jack says, you know what? Guitar is good. It is important to engage your right mind. I've been playing with improv, comedy, and acting for the past few years. Mm-hmm. We geeks need to be and eventually think outside the technology box. Play is vital to being creative as opposed to solving the standard problems the same old way. Yeah. You know what? You know, the funny part about creativity is you got to daydream. That's right. You got to stare off into space. The, the really hilarious part is you think about it. How many times have we done exactly the opposite? You stare at the screen. Yeah. Till blood comes out of your forehead. I heard somebody say that, um, you, you know, they think the, they think the problem is, and in sports, it's the same way. I think it was a baseball player, a pitcher. It was on, um, I can't remember, This American Life or one of those things. It was talking about a pitcher that would just had a horrible season, couple seasons, and he finally retired. But he was throwing at way into the batter's box. He was throwing into the bleachers like he could not control his pitches. And he said, most coaches want you to think more. They tell you to think harder when, in fact, the thing you have to do is not think. Right. And, you know, that's a scary thing for somebody who lives in the left half of their brain. But how many, you know, you and I, of course, interact all the time. And so how many times have I said, well, I can't figure this out. I'm going to walk my dog. Yeah. Right. And I wander off. And while I'm on the walk, I phone and say, what if we did this way? And you're like, there you go. (laughs) That's right. Never solve it sitting at the screen. You solve it doing something else. That's right. Yeah. Get a, get a change of brain. Yep. Well, that's great. And, uh, Jack, we're totally on board. Love your comment. And a tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. And with that, let's introduce our guest. Jeff Wilcox is a senior software development lead at Microsoft on Windows Azure, running the open source SDKs for .NET, Java, PHP, and Node.js. Previously, Jeff was a software developer on Windows Phone 7 and Windows Phone 7.5, a founding member of the Silverlight Toolkit, and spent way too many years working on Silverlight. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? I'm not dead yet. I'm <laughs> not quite dead. Not really dead. I'm feeling better. I'm, f- I'm feeling a little better. <laughs> Check-, <laughs> Check out Jeff's blog at www.jeff.wilcox.name, N-A-M-E. I have never seen that domain before. The dot .name domain. Dot .name. There you go. Never seen it. Hmm. Also, follow him on Twitter at Jeff Wilcox. Welcome back. Well, I should say welcome to the Tablet Show, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, before we get off the creativity thing, I I just do want to mention that episode two of Acoustic Addicts is up uh, there. So if you fancy yourself a guitar aficionado of high-end <laughs> acoustic guitars, go check that out. You'll be glad you did. Acousticaddicts.com. So, Jeff, Azure, way too many years at Silverlight. <laughs> did you like that comment? I like it, yeah. I wish there was a way to take the... The rapid application development and ease of development and productivity of Silverlight and just make it happen in HTML5. I hear you. JavaScript. I wish there was a way to do that. Well, Windows 8's looking a little promising there. It certainly is for Windows 8 apps. Yeah. We're heading that direction. <laughs> but uh, I know you're moving away from phone, but 4th and Mayor dominates my life. 
<laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah, to the point where people are like, dude, stop checking in. <laughs> well, do you push notifications turned on? You know, the funny, I don't generally don't use it myself. It's them. They've got the turned on to receive mine. It, I I blame them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> do you don't like it? Shut it off. I constantly get tweets from Richard who says he has just displaced somebody as the mayor of Starbucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, you can tell I've been home for a while. I've had 15 consecutive days of check-ins at my local Starbucks because that's where I walk my dog to. I think Starbucks appreciates that. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of things I want to ask you about Fourth and Mayor, but the biggest one is this, you know, I, I always thought that Microsoft employees couldn't build apps on the side. Like, don't you have to do all your work for Microsoft? Yeah, we have a pretty wild uh, employment contract for sure. Yeah. So that changed with phone? Yeah, they actually set up a program for employees to, on the side, uh, build apps for Windows Phone. And I believe there's a similar program for Windows 8. Nice. Where we can we can build apps, and as long as we do it with our own property on our own time, we still get our job done. Then we own the intellectual property for that, and so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, that yeah. is cool. It's sort yeah. of like the 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 Google Play time or whatever it is they do over there. The twenty percent time. Yeah, twenty percent time. I guess the difference is I'm not doing this for Microsoft. I mean, sure, Microsoft loves having yet another Windows Phone app out there, but right. you know, this is for me, and I've learned a lot doing it. Well, I don't know if this is what happened with uh, the audio software we use. Adobe Audition started at Microsoft as a program uh, called Cool Edit, and and it wasn't a Microsoft program. It was something that some Microsoft guy did, and I don't know if he did it on in a in a similar program or he did it when he went home at night. But he ended up quitting Microsoft and 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 starting his own software company, and then sold it to Adobe years later. Interesting. So it is funny how things like that happen. It just sort of goes around. The other thing I find fascinating, I mean, why did you pick on Foursquare? Because you've clearly made a better Foursquare app than Foursquare did. And it's not that the Foursquare app is awful. It's just that yours is really good. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, so actually, you know, I started making it in, I guess, December of 2010. Seems like a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I was just trying to learn about the Windows Phone app platform. I mean, I worked on the team at the time, so I, I wanted to build a large media app that, you know, actually represented what apps should do. Right. And so, you know, I started building it and I think it was March when the official Foursquare app just stopped working one week because of some API changes. Yeah. And so I just said, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to charge for the app. I'll just put it out there for free because I love Foursquare. I think it's awesome. And I feel bad that Windows Phone people couldn't use it. So I just you know, launched it that week. But that bit you too some months later too, that Foursquare changed their APIs and, and it took a while for you to get your build out or get it to, rolled out. So in that specific, there's a one-week downtime, basically, yeah. Yeah. So actually, I had perfectly implemented the specification for the Foursquare API, but their <laughs> servers were sending some invalid data. So <laughs> works on my machine, right? I only did what you said, not what you did. Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> but that, and that's, you know, there's an interesting dynamic around the whole app building thing, especially with a scenario like this. Somebody else owns that API. Somebody else owns the storefront. You know, you're just sort of caught in the middle and everybody's yelling at you. Yep, yep, it happens. You should see my support email box. Yeah, I bet. On ah. days when that happens, boy, oh boy. <laughs> but it's fun. It really is. And you really have a sense of, I mean, where did you learn about Metro? How, you really got an interesting sense about it. I use it as a reference app. People want to understand Metro beyond just the, the widgets. I show them Fourth and Mayor and walk through that. You know, you can always feel there's more to the right. You know when stuff needs to scroll. Where did you learn that? Well, I think... 
So I guess that's the biggest difference right now between the official Foursquare app and Fourth and Mayor is that their app's very well designed. It kind of has a very branded feeling. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I built my app, I said I want it to look just like the phone. You know, whether right. it's you know the built-in UI or the People Hub. And so I think you know just years of studying that basically and staring at those screens and. You know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, maybe on my margins. I'm kind of famous for that. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I look there and, you know, you add 12 pixels here and there and all of a sudden things align. And, you know, really, I think just studying pages and a lot of iterative improvement. Are there things you reference, particular uh, documents or apps that you say, like, that's the look I'm going for? Really, it's it's the phone itself, I think, has a good feeling for white space. So I think the People Hub's very crisp in how they do that. Mm-hmm. And so my first question is, you know, what does the People Hub do? And then for inspiration, you know, there's a whole bunch of apps I look at. You know, even the Facebook app um, has a really clean design to it. And so, you know, Facebook and Cocktail Flow, a lot of these popular apps, you know, I think I use those for inspiration, but I just use literally what I see in front of me on the phone for the Metro reference. Do you find, I mean, we keep hearing the story that no matter what WinPhone 7 you, you build to, it'll work on all of them. Do you find that actually true or are there variations in the phone? I found it completely true. Um, I've heard stories before about some strange APIs, but as far as I know, it just works. Yeah. Do you, have you actually tested it? What phone do you use? Uh, I have a Nokia Lumia 800. Okay. Which is awesome. I love the phone. Love that. I've got that phone too. You know, I've used a lot of different devices, and when I get bug reports, I actually have it include the device they're using. Mm-hmm. And I've never had any, you know, significant amount of people having issues on a specific phone. Device-specific issues. Yeah. That said, I can tell you that almost everyone that uses my app is using a Nokia device right now. It's, it's something like 80% of my users. Wow. So it's, it's pretty wild. Before the Nokias came out, what was the dominant phone? Uh, before that, it was a lot of HTCs and Samsungs. Yeah. I, I don't remember the exact models. It's been a while since I ran the numbers. Yeah, when the 800 showed up uh, from Nokia, so thanks, Nokia, uh, my daughter immediately stole my Samsung. So <laughs> she, she hung up her iPhone 3GS and jumped across, and she's be- my the best evangelist I've ever seen for the teenage crowd. Right after we're done with this recording, I'm going down the street to get a, a, a Lumia 900. You're ready to cross over? Well, I'm adding it, so I'm going to keep my number on my iPhone. I'm going to get another number just so I can mess around with it. More phones, good. More phone's good. No, I heard they just came out the white Lumia 900 over the weekend. Yeah, and sold out immediately. Oh, really? Yeah. Have either of you seen it? I hear it's just beautiful. I've seen photos. I have not held one in my hand. Yeah, me neither. They popped up and it's apparently already gone. I saw a picture of it. It kind of looked like, open the pod bay doors, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any tool sets you use on 4th and Mayor? Uh, or is it everything just what's built in? Well, yeah. So th- there's a bunch of stuff in there. Um I guess I should start off, though, um, just talking about the Metro a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually blogged a while back a whole bunch of my random Jeff's, you know, Metro design guide. Um, it's totally unofficial, but it's stuff that helped me out quite a bit. Um, I'll have to dig up a link and send it to you guys. Sure. All right. Because there's just a lot of things about pixels and margins and, you know, little gotchas I've seen. Cool. Um, you know, when it comes to the tool set, uh, I, I do use the Silverlight for Windows Phone Toolkit a little right. bit. So I use that for like the toggle switch control. Um, some people don't know that's not built into the main SDK, but I use that. And then I do use the pivot control exclusively. I don't have any panoramas. Hmm. And I, I've told people about that history before, but that's because I wrote the pivot control. Nice. No bias. Uh, <laughs> no bias there. Just saying. And just saying, yeah. Um, so that, that said, I'm fully aware of the bugs I introduced. And so I, I pay the same pain as everyone else. 
Nice. Okay. Well, and I like that you're eating your dog food. Literally your dog food. Yeah, there's some bugs I wish I could really fix. Literally dog food? No, literally his dog food. Oh, literally his. Yeah. yeah. He wrote it and he suffers from it. Yeah. And then for, for doing data, uh, there's a system in it called AGFX. Uh, it's a horrible name, like all good Microsoft products. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is no exception. Um, AGFX, you know, lets me store data and kind of get cached versions, or I can have it request direct from the, the wire, like the latest version. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to like, you know, a, a restaurant, it'll actually typically load, you know, a cached version first if it has it. And then if it's, you know, more than 10 minutes old, it'll refresh it. And AGFX helps me do that with really a small amount of code. It's pretty, pretty nice. Nice. Wow. And let me think that the last component is called shared and it's a horrible name because it's actually my private controls that I don't share. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it called shared? The initial intention was I would, you know, build these up and just share with the community. And as I've iterated, they've just gotten so specific to fourth and mayor that they're horribly, you know, they're horribly designed at this point. And I think people would be very angry if they use them. So I have a hope someday. Jeff, are you using DirectX and fourth and mayor? No, I'm not. Do you have any plans to? Maybe not in 4th and Mayor, but uh, just in another app? You know, I, I'm not that smart to do graphics. I, I, I just love to drop XAML on pages, so <laughs> I don't have any plans right now. Can't blame you for that, yeah. So do you have any new apps or new games in the back of your mind that you want to develop? You know, I, I have a OneNote always sitting there with just all these random ideas that will never get done. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope so. Uh, one thing I'd love to do is do some cloud management. Um, there's some kind of poor apps out there for that right now, but I want to be able to monitor, you know, EC2 or Azure instances from my phone. Oh. And so that's in the back of my mind is a non-sexy app that I'd love to have, though. Yeah. Which is something that'll let you know when things are going on. Because do you have any services up in the cloud for 4th and Mayor? Yeah, yeah. I do have a cloud component for a lot of the ancillary plus, you know, actually showing the website and doing all the push notifications. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as a result of that, you know, I sometimes wonder what's my CPU utilization at and all these things. Sure, because mm-hmm. you're paying for that. I am. I'm paying out of pocket. I'm making no money. Yeah, pretty much the opposite of making money. You give away the app and you're spending money keeping that service running. Yeah. You know, I look at it as a hobby. You know, it costs me less than going on a ski trip. Hey, it's my personal hobby. Nice. That's a very good way to look at things. Yeah. Well, and we've done a few shows over on the .NET Rock side around Node. And uh, who was it that referenced the fact that Fourth and Mayor run uses Node in the back end? Was it Glenn Block? Yeah, I think it was Glenn. Yeah. yeah. It's probably Glenn, yeah. Yep. I, I love Node.js. It's pretty cool. And, you know, that's my new day job. So it's, it's fun seeing all these things kind of come together. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not just the four square APIs you're depending on. There are stuff, things you need to run as well. Yep. And so if you look at the app, you know, there's live tiles and push notifications. And I'm doing all that up in the cloud, generating leaderboard tiles and things. Okay. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, 
All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting The Tablet Show. Have you seen any reports or maybe even seen the data about what types of apps are running on Azure? Like what percentage of them are games and what percentage are business apps and service buses and that kind of thing? Uh, I haven't seen any public numbers on that. And as far as I know, um, we have quite a, quite a privacy policy on the Windows Azure team. Yeah. So as far as I know, like there's no instance in which we can ever look at what's running in our cloud. Oh, I see. And so unless someone tells us or, you know, maybe a survey reports that, I don't think we have a way of knowing that right now. Well, that's that's really good to hear, actually. <laughs> you know, the thing about it, it's like you, you may want to reveal that you're on Azure, you may not, and it's not up to Microsoft one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And I can actually say that 4th and Mayor today is not in Azure, and I'm looking to bring it to Azure at some point. So oh, okay. it's interesting using a different product there. But you have some services that are associated with the website and that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah, I'm hosted there. in Amazon's cloud today. Right. Of course. They are a mature cloud product. No toys about it. I've been around for a while. Yeah. And, and for me, I think it was just I was starting with the basic building blocks. And, you know, Azure has some of that. But at the time, it, it seemed like the right choice. And now I'm staring at all the stuff that my team's working on. And I know I'll be switching at some point, but I can't talk about that. <laughs> sure. Played around with Windows 8 and Azure. Are you doing a lot of that kind of stuff? Um, so folks on the team sure are looking at that, and I've looked at porting Fourth and Mayor. I'd love to offer it, you know, for the Windows 8 tablets, and I definitely have plans to do that. But I don't actually have like a running version today. Right. Yeah, because of course you're basically coding in Silverlight under the phone, so you know that's going to be some rework to move it across. Actually, that'll be a great story all by itself, taking a, a really refined phone app and making it run on uh, on the on the tablet. Yep. And so I hope to share that experience. You know, I've started porting basically the, the backend libraries and the model, and it's gone pretty well. There's some changes in reflection, but otherwise, I think it'll be mostly smooth sailing, but a whole new UI in the front. Would you be interested in hiring a video crew? <laughs> a video crew? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to make a documentary out of your the whole process of porting it. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen you guys in person, I guess, in a, about a year and a half, but, yeah. you know, I'm losing my hair. <laughs> I'm going to lose more hair, I think, working on the Windows 8 app. Okay. <laughs> I, I can say that much. It looks like it'll be mostly smooth sailing, but there's going to be some challenges, I can tell. Sure. And I don't know if you, that'll be a, a family-friendly video. All right. There will be some cursing. Yes. It is software development, after all. Just saying. Yep. Yeah. And the worst part about running your own app is I have no one to blame but myself. Yeah, true. And, and you even worked on the tools that you're using. Yeah, that, that's the ironic pain there. <laughs> yeah, that's it, the, the, that's a great double whammy, to be honest. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Do you do much in the way of instrumenting Fourth of Mayor? Do you know how many users you've got and what versions they're running, that kind of thing? Uh, so I do have an opt-in. When you first sign in, there's a checkbox that says share anonymous data. Mm -hmm. And it's checked by default. Uh, so in general, I get analytics data from that. And then if you enable push notifications, I get all the data about, you know, what kind of phone you're using and what version you have. I recently was reading uh, about a fairly popular application out there, and they were talking about their metrics. And one of the things they found was that there was a, there was a block of folks that were stuck on 7.1 that never got the Mango update. 
and they when they surveyed them, they found out it's because they didn't have PCs to get the upgrade. Yeah, I've heard about that. I was wondering if you've got people that are still pre-Mango. Uh, I have a few people that are pre-Mango, but I've offered, there, there were some breaking API changes by Foursquare mm-hmm. again, and uh, those that was over like a three-month rolling period. And so it seems like, as far as I can tell, people were unable to use the oldest versions of my app. Uh, some move forward, and as far as I can tell right now, I've got about 95% Mango users. Okay. So there's a few you know stragglers out there, but most people found a way to plug in and update. Just borrow someone's machine long enough to get the Zune software in there, get your update done, and then take it all out again. Yeah. Something yep. like that. It almost seems like a, it, it just never occurred to me. I talk about your own personal biases. I'm surrounded by PCs. I can't get away from them, but there are obviously folks out there living without them. And if they don't have one, they have no way to update the phone firmware. Yep. And actually, one of the things I've seen is that if you look at it, people don't know to update the version of their app as well. You know, right. I have people using five old versions of my own app for Mango. And I, I almost want to add like a prompt to let people know that there's an update because people don't pin the marketplace tile and they just never see the updates. Right. Yeah. I actually took the marketplace tile out because I did, thought I'd never need it and then realized I was missing updates and put it back just to see that. Yep. Same thing here. Yeah. Funny, huh? Yeah. But yeah, it, it would make sense because the phone itself, when it has an update, will actually tell you, hey, you have an update, go get plugged in. You'd think when you fire it up fourth of mayor, if it just had a toast that said there's a new version available. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, that would go to the marketplace and get the update. Yep. Yeah. And you know, these are things I guess we're still learning about the way we want to use our phones and how things should be updated. I, I don't understand why the phone couldn't be updated over Wi-Fi, why it needs a PC involved at all. Well, I think iPhone was the same way for a long time. Yeah. So I'm sure the team's aware of that. And, you know, one of the nice things about me working on 4th and Mayor while I was on the phone team was, you know, just sharing feedback to people. I'd, you know, fire off emails when something wasn't working and, you know, just sharing my frustrations. Right. You know, as kind of a third-party developer, it was really a nice way for me to, you know, let people know that there's improvements that can be made for sure. Right. So you sort of prefix your email with as a developer for WinPhone 7 as, as opposed to as a WinPhone 7 team member. Yes. And then the worst part was there were a couple instances that I started a thread about an issue and then it came back to me in my day job. <laughs> wow. I got submitted back to you as a yep. work item. That's funny. That's yeah. awesome. So that that's ultimate irony there is when you open bugs against yourself <laughs> on your other job. Good times. Good times. <laughs> just fun too. A great moment. Like, Hello. You did this. That's when you put back the I can't reproduce. <laughs> yeah uh sadly that doesn't work with yourself <laughs> yeah not so much wait yeah. hang on a sec maybe i did reproduce that <laughs> uh and i guess the other question is you ever considered going cross-platform taking forth the mayor anywhere else you know i thought about it a little bit um i actually recently met up with the uh the ceo of xamarin yeah yeah nat friedman yep that's the guy yeah uh, we've had him on the show before yep. and uh, wicked smart him between him and miguel i think those guys are taking it by by storm yeah, they're doing great. And when I chatted with him, you know, I talked about, you know, all the code I'd written already. And it sounds like most of my model, most of my data should just work, you know, in the mono touch world. Right. Yeah. Go mono touch or mono for Android. You could just bring it across because I mean, I have actually seen reviews of your app saying this is the best Foursquare app in the world. Doesn't matter what phone you're using. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's great to read that, but I also look at, you know, Android and iOS and the Foursquare app there is fine. You know, mm-hmm. it, it works, it's fast, it's quick. And so, you know, I'm not sure I'd really add a lot more to those platforms. Well, I think the big thing you've done, just as a f- 
fourth of mirror user, fewest keystrokes. Yes. You know, it's three clicks to a check-in. Yep. And that uh, that's important. And if you really want it to be one click, you can make it one click. I can take a place I go to all the time, like, say, my neighborhood Starbucks, which oddly enough, I'm mayor of, and it's just on my clickboard. You click once, you're in. Done. Yep. Yep. I use that for work and for home and for my Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I think on Foursquare, like, there's just these battles that rage at every local Starbucks. Um, I, I don't know. It just must be amazing for Foursquare to watch because our Starbucks is like contested territory and I'm fighting every week for it. Yeah, something special about Starbucks. I've been the mayor of my Starbucks for a long time. It's just because I'm sort of a Foursquare rarefied zone out here in the suburbs. But when my I went away for three weeks and some guy got mayor of my Starbucks, that was unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. So the dog was going to Starbucks every day. <laughs> uh, don't you think you're encouraging some el- unhealthy, obsessive behavior here? There are so many worse ways for me to exert my OCD. You yeah, know? I guess you're right. I, I you know, I, I could be washing my hands. You know, I could be sterilizing everything in sight. No, I'm just checking in at Starbucks. Okay. Hey, like that was the, the last co-host. Yeah, yeah, that was the other guy. I'm not dipping myself in Purell. You know. <laughs> we love you, Rory. Hope you're fine. Sorry. Tur- dark Sorry. turn there. Sorry, we had a you know, dark turn. <laughs> we had a nostalgic moment. Uh, another angle on on Fourth and Mayor, and I think it's a generally a challenge with apps, is dealing with people's personal theming of their phone, changing color schemes, that sort of thing. How far do you go in your app to tolerate that? Well, so on, uh, on my app, I just respect the system the system colors you chose. Right. So I'm not overriding, you know, to the light mode or the dark mode. And as far as I know, it mostly just works. Yeah. And the tile too just works. And there's lots of other tiles that don't just work. Heck, the Xbox yeah. tile doesn't just work. Yeah. Well, I think this is because I'm just going really simple on the icon. And so I have that transparent background and the phone takes care of, you know, actually rendering that. Mm-hmm. So that just works. Uh, and, and speaking of those widgets, do you battle with lag? So your widget just shows when there's been notifications, right? That there's a, num- a number appears there. Yep. What's the latency on that updating? Do you do you battle with that much? Well, so from a technical side in the cloud, mm-hmm. I am checking for that for users every few minutes. I'll, I'll kind of see what the latest number is. Right. And so that's my latency that I introduce. And then from the push notification standpoint, you can actually send a push if a phone's connected like to Wi-Fi or you know readily available to a good network. Mm-hmm. You'll get you know a request in you know half a second. It's really quick. And so there's no latency there, right? Per se. The trouble is, you know, if your phone, you know, if you go off uh, driving somewhere and you drop connection for a while, you might actually lose your push notifications channel. And according to the Microsoft spec, you need to actually wait up to 60 minutes when you get a failure, so you don't kind of DOS the servers. Right. Don't hammer. Yeah. So you can play by the rules and you can wait 60 minutes and then your users will complain. Yeah. Or in some situations, you can pretend to ignore the Microsoft documentation and just send it again. And I'm not recommending that, but I might just happen to do that. And yeah. I've never might, had a problem. And, you know, really, it's a bug. But, you know, there's a lot of things you need to fix in the app and you know, like, you'll get to it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they Is the push notification mechanism just... Is there anything special about it? Like, does it work over... What is it exactly doing in push? Is it real push? Like, is the phone not polling? Uh, from a technical side, there, there is basically one kind of a, a polling style channel, but it's very lightweight. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that the Microsoft servers kind of, you know, aggregate all the push requests, you know, 
imagine, you know, Outlook email updates and, and every single app. And then it just right. uses that one channel to do the rest of the work. Um, it's actually designed very similar to the iOS platform there. Yeah. The one thing that's missing from Phone 7 right now, which Android does a good job on, it's just your total data consumption. Yep. And I'd really like that by app. Yeah, I agree there. You know, I think that's that's what, if you know, living up here in the wilderness... Um, Canada sort of notorious for our data rates. If you, uh, if you come and visit us, you'll, f- and turn your phone on, you'll find out in a big hurry. I have wonderful data roaming rates. I don't worry about that when I go to Vancouver. Oh, okay. So I, I don't feel the pain. If you've actually got the deal, like I've got a good deal that works between the U S and Canada with my carrier, yep. but there's, you know, and I have an unlocked phone now. So when I go to Europe, I use their local SIM. When I was in Hong Kong, I paid $15 for a week of unlimited data. Which you know wouldn't last. The, my rate where my carrier in Hong Kong would you know, break the bank almost instantly. But just yeah. knowing what's consuming data, because I mean, just the, your basic description here of for the app to function the way we want it to work, you have to regularly ping out and consume some bytes. And I'm hoping you're doing that efficiently. But I'd like to actually know. Yeah, actually, the biggest use of you know on the phone right now for me is the live tiles. You know, live tiles just. You know, they're rich, they're full of content. And so for me to update that, like your leaderboard, you know, you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, maybe 100K an hour. Yeah. And so I, I definitely like to work on regulating that. Yeah. And then, you know, as soon as we can get that measurable, then you're going to get feature demands for, can I shut this stuff off? I need to save my bytes. And I've actually already gotten some feature demands for that. Um, in the next update, I'm adding a couple of different features. Uh, one of them is actually the choice to use other Bing, uh, other map providers than Bing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in some parts of the world, you know, Bing Maps just doesn't have the coverage that OpenStreetMap does or that Google Maps have. Right. And so I'm actually going to offer a, a choice for people to change that. And That's as cool. part of the same question, some people want to turn off showing the maps when they go to a place just because they, they use it when they're, they're roaming or, you know, on travel. Yeah. I don't need the map. I know where I am. And I don't want to burn those bytes. Like that, that's an interesting level of granularity there for as much as we want to keep apps simple, simple, simple. It's like when we really live with an app, we need to be able to tune it pretty precisely. Yeah. And I think one of the things about Windows Phone is that the idea was it's just simple. You know, there's not 60 different views for Outlook. There's your mail view and you know, you're done. Yeah, that's and all so there I think is. I struggle with that as a developer of do I offer, you know, 20 different switches and knobs for people or do I just tell them it's my way or the highway? Yeah. So and I'm and just organizing those settings well, too. I, what was I chasing the other day? Oh, I rebuilt my phone for various reasons. And all of the birthdays from Windows Live were appearing on my calendar and popping up as notifications every day. And I know there was a way to turn that off because it didn't used to do that. But finding it. Yeah, that one was hard to find. Uh, <laughs> takes a while to hunt that down and just say, because it doesn't actually, you know, there's no birthday filter. It's like you actually have to go into the calendar settings, which is in the calendar, not in the settings, and go under there and say, turn those off. Don't want those. Turn these on. Make it that color. You know, you can get to tune all those things. Yeah. I have to assume someone at Microsoft working on the teams listening to that kind of feedback. Yeah, I, I assume that too. But then I also think I'm being irresponsible as a as an educated user in not pushing these points you know, to connect or any of those site services for these kinds of things. Yeah, that, that makes sense too. Yeah, so I'm, I'm bearing myself in guilt as well as frustration. <laughs> uh, how much time did you spend in the emulator or, how, or do you just test directly onto the phone? You know, when I first started, I was using the emulator just for really quick F5 testing. 
Mm-hmm. And then obviously, I think it must have been in February, so maybe a month before the launch, I just started using the phone every day. You know, I checked into my Starbucks and, you know, I got a lot of good data from that. Right. Um, you know, I think these days I really don't use the phone as much. You know, I'll actually just use the production app on my phone. Yeah. So I get the regular marketplace updates and then I'll use the emulator for smaller fixes. And I, I just find that that's easier than having two different copies of my app on my own phone. Well, I'm, I'm and I'm wondering if one of the you know one of the challenges for Fourth of Mayor is you're very GPS dependent, and I don't think that the emulator does anything as far as simulating poor quality GPS data. That's true. Yeah, you get a beautiful you know a beautiful GPS hit whenever you use the emulators right. functionality. Yeah, and and in real life, they you know there's certain parts of the world where GPS is really messed up, and it's typically near American military installations. I wonder why. It's interesting. Like, if you want to see uh, a GPS app get really unhappy, go to the San Diego Harbor where the American aircraft carriers are. Weird stuff happens around there. Interesting. I've just, I've watched GPS lose it in that part of the world. Huh. Yeah. No way for me to simulate that. That's for sure. Yeah. No question. <laughs> yeah. And I've had, no, I've, I've had times where I was literally just holding my phone, looking at a map and watching the pointer move. For miles and miles and miles, just sort of wandering to the southeast or to the southwest, like just bizarre behaviors. And it, how do you cope, you know, hmm. with uh, with problems like that, trying to make your app work properly? Yeah, I've been trying to add some more location reporting features mm-hmm. so that when people have a bad fix, I can kind of get some of that data, have them kind of report it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't launched that feature yet because there's so many different, you know, I guess, values I want to report and how to ask people for like, you know, you can't really ask people exactly where they are. They don't always know that. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be that they have a great, you know, fix, but maybe the place they're trying to check in had bad data. Yeah. Whoever created that check-in created a bad location. Yeah. I've definitely seen on the map where I'm, where my location is being shown as the cell tower, not as my location. Yeah. And then, and then you see that there's a whole bunch of, of places that are actually at the cell tower. Yeah. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 there's so many little data quality problems around GPS. It's just not that simple. And then we don't have to talk about the inside of buildings. You, although you've went down, have you added QR code features down to Fourth and Mayor? I've never used them. Yeah, I did add a QR code feature that someone kind of requested. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a lot of, the trouble is a lot of businesses don't have the QR codes for Facebook or for Foursquare. Right. But I have used it. And so the way that it works is you just hold it up to the QR code and there's a checkbox that says automatically check me in. Yeah. So if you have that checked, it literally, as soon as it recognizes the code, it just checks you into that place. And you're done and the location's perfect and all that sort of things. Because there is a rule in Foursquare, if you're too far away from someplace, the check-in doesn't count. Yep. And it kind of depends on how often your data is bad. Right. So, you know, if one time you check in from three miles away, Foursquare might be fine with that. But if you're always checking in that far away, then you'll be kind of flagged uh, a notorious user breaking the rules and you won't get points. Yeah. And they'll, they'll stop you. You're a little too point addicted there, guy. And Stop it. Yeah. I remember there's a funny story when Foursquare's API first came out and someone became the mayor of every single place in the country, like over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mayor of everything. Everything. Nobody can touch me. So it turns out they've done some good work since then on detecting yeah. such things. Yeah, they they're more sensitive to how quickly you can travel. You know, I have had I've had days where I've been at four airports in twenty four hours, and you know, moved a fair bit of distance. It's always fun to check into each airport to have Foursquare route. Wow, you're fifteen hundred miles away from where you were when you last checked in. Yep, 
going to get harder if you have hypersonics. And goodness knows what would happen to guys who were checking in while they were in orbit. <laughs> Suddenly, GPS doesn't mean much anymore. Well, is that a show? I think it is. Do we miss anything, Jeff? I, I, I really appreciate you sort of telling us how the apps come together and where you're headed. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Again, I really appreciate your uh, your efforts. It's one of my favorite apps. It's, I think one of the best apps uh, anywhere for the Windphone 7. I feel myself getting sucked into it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck at the AT&T store. Yeah, thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not-